This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Well, here I am, making my way to Wembley. Sun is shining, beautiful day, tournament feeling. Got various England songs from days gone by, acting as, acting as earworms inside my head. It's all good though. Euro 2020 is underway. It's here. It's come to London. Coming up on this episode, we'll be reflecting with Aidan Smith from Three Lions Net about the Croatia game, and we'll be speaking with John Bleasdale from Scottish Football Forum's podcast ahead of the big game against Scotland. So the opening ceremony in Rome, loads of fireworks, loads of big balloons thought that woman was going to get carried away with those balloons out of the Olympic Stadium. Thankfully, they tied them to the ground. Andrea Bocelli singing Nessun Dorma, a la Luciano Pavarotti, for those that remember, in 1990. Oh, happy days. Happy memories. It ended Italy 3, Turkey nil, as I'm sure you know. Good Italian side, or frankly, a struggling Turkish side. Switzerland won, Wales won, was a game I didn't see, to be honest. Highlights showed a VAR call that went against the Swiss, but the Welsh have got away with a point. Then Denmark against Finland. My plan was to tune into the second half, and that I did only after an hour and a half delay. Fortunately, I didn't see the incident to Christian Eriksen. But if ever social media has been dominated by one incident, this was it. Prayers being said, memories of Fabrice Mwamba. Some may even go back further, remembering Mark Vivian Foe of Cameroon. But that ring of strength shown by the Danish players was frankly amazing. You just have absolutely no idea what was going through the minds of those Danish players whilst they were standing there. Their teammate lying on the floor, all eyes on them. It's just unbelievable. Thankfully, he was revived by medical staff and became stable in hospital. I mean, it seemed tough, but both sides decided to continue that game, which Finland won by a goal to nil. History books, well, they're going to show that it was their debut victory in the tournament. But clearly, and understandably, Denmark totally distressed by the incident. I don't know, part of me kind of says UEFA may have forced the issue. I don't know how the tournament would have panned out had that game have been cancelled. Belgium quickly and efficiently saw off a poor Russia in St. Petersburg, which I always find quite amusing, actually. Russia losing, especially as it was pretty much five years ago after the events of Marseille. A country the size of Russia, they've only won the Euros. That's all they've got, 1960, that's the only pot they've got. And that was when they were an even bigger union. So as I mentioned, here I am making my way towards Wembley on the day England faced Croatia. Obviously I'm excited, but with the events of Christian Eriksen, just kind of puts things into perspective. 
Life is delicate. I'm seeing friends today who I've not seen since November 2019. Just makes you think just a little bit more. The next station is Here we go, we've made it off the station. We are in to Wembley Way. 2020 flags decking Wembley Way. Flags all along the side. There's London Reds. Mike, HA1. Sun is shining, it's looking beautiful. Plenty of people around. Every different colour England shirt you've ever seen is represented here. Okay, right then. Prepare for checks. First is a COVID status, and second is tickets. Elevate. You see it? Yeah, I can see it. Super, thank you very much. So open the app, activate Bluetooth. And there's my ticket. Hello, mate, you all right? Yep, perfect. We're all good. One ticket, in we go. Thank you very much. And these are the new Wembley steps, which I'm taking a walk up. The arch in front of me. UEFA Euro 2020 across the uh, the screens. To be fair, it's, it's organised quite well here. It's uh, 20 to 1. Kickoff is at 2. And there's a fair few people working their way up. Official programme. Can I have one, please? £10. £10. <laughs> so they're not doing... Is it just one game or one programme per... Okay, so it's not doing individual ones. Okay, thank you very much. Gate D, level five, face mask on. Let's find my ticket and see how we go all about this. So here we are, into the turnstiles. Instead of putting your ticket in, you literally put your phone in and squeeze your way through. And then I'm going this way, and I'm in. First time since Montenegro. Hello again, Wembley. <laughs> and in we are, inside Wembley. The sun blazing down on the Palo pitch. Up on the big screens, it's coming home. The lyrics to the uh, Skinner and Badil's famous song. Plenty of England, St George's Cross's flags decked around the, uh, the inner tiers. Front rows of all the, the lower tiers are covered in the of the, the turquoise blue branding of Euro 2020 and the England team are out warming up as are the Croatia team one of these cameras hanging from the uh, from the roof is whizzing around in front of us massive speakers these weren't here the last time I came in massive speakers are going to pump out some music to get the crowd ready to go but yeah not long to go now before kickoff.
Okay, and well, let's time to reflect on the game now. Always like to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Aidan Smith from Three Lions Net. Hello, Aidan. Hi, Russell. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, you're very welcome. We uh, we obviously only spoke recently after the the two friendlies, which didn't really give us a great deal of insight. I certainly wasn't as nervous of those friendlies as I was yesterday. How about yourself? Yeah, well, I think we've got a lot more to talk about with this game than the other two friendlies combined. Yes. Yeah. What What was your feelings leading up to the game? Nerves, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> we know we know our opening game record. I actually found out yesterday that we've actually never won an opening game at a European Championships. We've had exactly. nine attempts. I think it was drawn five, lost four, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so finally put to rest. That's that record put to one side, thankfully, after all these years. The big surprise, really, to start with, I guess, was the lineup. And we spoke just after those two friendly games. And I said we were going to start with a back five. And I think I may have sort of changed your mind because you were going to start with a back four, weren't you? I was, yeah. I, I had uh, had my back four written down. And um, I was actually really close to the uh, starting lineup that, that actually happened. I think only Kieran Trippier uh, threw me off. I had Ben Chilwell in there. But apart from that, I think I was spot on. Why do we think he played? Kieran Trippier? Well, I think there are a few reasons. First of all, I think you've got to talk about Tyrone Mings and his lack of experience, possibly lack of confidence as well. Kieran Trippier is very talkative on the pitch. Uh, He's definitely a calming figure um, in the dressing room and on the pitch. And I think that definitely would have helped to settle Mings, who in the end had a really, really good game. I think the other thing is Kieran Trippier, in my opinion, is positionally our most solid fullback, right or left. I think his positional discipline is fantastic. You, you never catch him somewhere where he shouldn't be. And the reason that was going to be so important in this game in particular is because of Shime Vesaliko on the uh, on the right back for, for Croatia. I mean, he was the danger man throughout the game. And I think Gareth probably expected that, especially after what happened in Russia, when, um, I mean, of course, Vesaliko got the assist for Croatia's equaliser in the second half for the whole of that semi-final he was a threat with uh, with deep crosses and I think Trippier helped to kind of keep the back four quite narrow and uh, and keep him at bay on that right side. As you say you mentioned Mings as well I thought he had a, a good game uh, in alongside the back there there was Walker and Stones in the middle Phillips, Rice and Mount up front Foden, Kane and Sterling. I mean just looking at one player in particular there, we both mentioned Sterling as a front player. Everyone else said, no, don't play Sterling. Sterling doesn't need to play. And I think, like yourself and I, uh, and Gareth as well, we, we kept the faith and it's come off. Yeah, I think, look, you do have to put a lot of emphasis on form going into tournaments, okay? And that is perhaps one of the reasons why I was a bit confused that um, Jaden Sancho was left out of the 23 altogether yesterday because he's finished the season really well for, for Dortmund. But I do kind of understand it. But yeah, I think it was... I mean, obviously, I spoke last week about having Sterling. I, I was certainly pro-Sterling going into the game. I think, yeah, he's, he's never let England down. Good link up with Kane, which we saw again yesterday. He works so hard on and off the ball. I think he was one of the best players on the pitch, even if you take away the goal. And yeah, I think, I think we've been proven right. It's not often we can say that. <laughs> but yeah. especially, especially with Gareth yeah yeah big pat on the back for us but that threaded ball from Calvin Phillips was a uh, 
was a great threaded ball through. And we've, we've got to talk about him. Calvin Phillips, and I was sitting behind the goal, the goal that Sterling scored. I was quite high up. I, I hold my hands up. I didn't appreciate quite how well Calvin Phillips played until I saw saw the highlights yesterday. He he had a tremendous game, didn't he? Yeah, I think Calvin Phillips has come of age yesterday. Uh, I think he was he reminded me of a of a prime Frank Lampard number eight style midfielder. He was given the license to go forward a little bit more. He made driving runs with the ball, late runs into the box. It's everything that a, a, a you know a strong number eight should be doing. I love that he was given the freedom to be able to do that. Um, that's something that I haven't seen him do for uh, for England just yet. And obviously at Leeds, he's not really in a position where he can do that as he's the only holding player. Yeah, I, th- I think look that, that threaded ball for Sterling summed it all up, really. He was, you know, attack-minded the whole game. I was thinking after the, the Romania game, it was, yeah, he started the Romania game. And I was thinking in that first half, look, Phillips has not got any real purpose to his game here. It's just lateral pass, lateral pass, lateral pass. It was so much better. And I, and I think he was the, the keystone to breaking through their midfield there. Felt he just stepped up on the big stage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what, what a time to do it. Your first major tournament game. And, you know, he's, he's just completely repaid Gareth for, for the selection there. Yeah, they always say, take your chances. Uh, and he's certainly done that. Uh, one thing I, that came to mind with Sterling, he scored the goal, obviously, after but he's had his doubters. And a lot of people said he, he shouldn't have started prior to the game. It reminded me of Alan Shearer in 1996. Alan Shearer went on a barren run. Uh, I don't think it was two years of not scoring, but it was certainly a long period of time where Alan Shearer didn't do the business for England. Up came the first game against Switzerland back in 96, and he scored and he's, he's led us to the, uh, to the semi-final back in 1996. Goals breed confidence, don't they? And this is exactly what sort of Sterling needed. Yeah, I think that's, that's actually a really brilliant analogy because I hadn't really thought about that. It's pretty much exactly the same situation for the two of them. I mean, both of them were you know, going into tournaments on worse form than they have been over recent years or, or you know for Alan Shearer over prior years I remember hearing yesterday that Shearer was told by Terry Venables the manager three weeks before the opening game like I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start you I'm, I'm gonna play you in that opening game okay and I think that was such a relief for Shearer I'm not sure if there have been any similar kind of conversations with Gareth and Sterling I wouldn't be surprised because I know that Gareth learned a lot from Terry Venables and if that's something that he you know, felt worked with Shearer, which I think most of us would say it did work, especially since he got that goal in the opening game in 96 against Switzerland. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a conversation saying, look, you are going to start for me on Sunday against Croatia. I just want to let you know to put your mind at rest because I know there's a lot of competition. I know that your mind might be racing right now and, you know, getting closer to match day, it's human nature. You get more and more doubtful right up before the team selections, the lineup. If he hadn't been told anything, he hadn't been given any clues, he'd have been bricking it that he'd been on the bench. Especially looking at you know the first half of Marcus Rashford's season, uh, the end of Jaden Sancho's season, pretty much the whole of Jack Grealish's season, and the same with Phil Foden. I think you know he's a, he had every right to be scared, but you know I'm pleased that he was given the vote of confidence, and um, yeah, it's 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 proved decisive. We've got to just briefly touch on Croatia. Would it be a harsh comment to say they are maybe a spent force now? They're 
perhaps, well, they're certainly not the team they were. We basically nullified Modric, who in the past give him the license and he runs the game. Um, okay, they've lost some of their players from previous meetings between the two, but we, we just snuffed them out, basically, didn't we? Yeah, I think probably it's fair to say that they've peaked. I think you'd say that. They're, they're not a bad side at all. And coming into this tournament, although they may have had a bad run recently, that is partly due to the horrible Nations League group that they were in. But yeah, I think the thing about Modric is he, he ran the show in the semi-final. And England have often been the victims of a foreign midfielder who is able to orchestrate pretty much everything. I can I can think back to Frankie de Jong in the... Uh, Nations League semi-final against Holland. I can think about Zidane in 2004, I think it was. Pirlo in 2012 for Italy. You know, we've had our fair share of midfielders who just run us riot with such such ease as well. But I, I didn't see that from Modric yesterday. In fact, I didn't see it from any of the Croatian midfielders. I was quite stunned by how in control we were in the, in the centre of the park. I thought that if we were going to win the game, it was going to be at fullback. It was going to be down down the wing. And we just have to put up with the fact that they're going to have a bit of possession in the middle. But they they didn't really. They had a spell kind of five minutes midway through the first half. And then the first 10 minutes of the second half were all then. But apart from that, we were in total control. Two other players that I just wanted to briefly mention. Obviously, Phil Foden. That would have been a great start to the game, wouldn't it? There is, it was, what was it, five minutes in and he'd curled that ball round past the post. Uh, would have been a great start. And Jude Bellingham as well, who came on with, I don't know, was it about five minutes to go, became, was it England's youngest tournament player and indeed the uh, the European Championships tournaments player? Yeah, for any country as well. Yeah. I mean, that's that's remarkable. And, and goodness me, he deserves it. And when he came on, he was he was a really important part of making sure that Croatia found no way through our midfield. I think I remember three slide tackles in about five minutes. Really good, you know, last man challenges. And Phil Foden, I mean, we can sit here and, you know, Wax muse. Europe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, over his talent. That shot, oh, we'd have loved it to go in. Who knows what's going to happen after that shot goes in. I'm quite happy with the 1-0 win. I think I'll take that. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be a threat throughout the tournament if he keeps getting played. And he's got every right to, to keep playing after that performance. So as you say, that opening hoodoo is now gone. We move on. We move on to Scotland. We're speaking just shortly after their game against the Czech Republic, where the Czech Republic have beaten Scotland by two goals to nil. That's just going to G up the Scots, isn't it, for our game? Yeah, I was just watching the Scotland game and I was thinking, well, what's probably the best result here from an England perspective? And I was thinking, yeah, maybe it's a draw because then neither team has confidence. I think a loss, and, and you know, like like they did, and suddenly now Scotland are, are riled up. They 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 want to fully go for this now, um, because they know that you know the likelihood is that you're going to need four points to get out of the group. So that means that they've got to go unbeaten now in their in their two toughest games, which is no easy task. And they're going to bring the game to Wembley without a doubt. I would I wouldn't say I'm worried, but I I would. I noticed the uh, the emphasis on their wing backs and very attacking wing backs. Andy Robertson had a fantastic game, and over on the other side, uh, Forrest when he came on was was really good on the right hand side. They're going to play very wide. They're going to want to you know go down the wing every single time, and I think that's something to consider when you're when you're thinking about who do we play at fullback as well to combat that. Do you want to go and push up to make sure that they're not you know finding the space in behind, or do you want to sit in narrow? That depends. You know, if you want to go in narrow, then you're probably looking at Carl Walker and Trippier again. 
if you want to push up a bit more, maybe Chilwell, maybe Reese James. So yeah, Scotland can cause problems, definitely. I think they're a, a much faster paced uh, attacking side than they were two, three, four years ago. That, that's great. Cheers, Aidan. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to give us a score prediction for Scotland, are you brave enough? Oh, you haven't prepared me for this. Right, OK. Um, <laughs> let's go uh, 2-1. 2-1 England. 2-1 England. We shall see. Let's hope that we can uh, progress into the group stages and maybe catch up with you then. Yeah, I'd love to. OK, lovely. Aidan, and obviously you can catch all his work at 3 Thanks to Aidan there. Now, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, you too can have your say on the games England play during the Euros and share them here on the podcast. After the Scotland game, open up your phone, open your voice messenger, record a 30-second review of the game, tell us who you are, where you're from, and send it to 3lionspodcast at gmail.com. Three as in T-H-R-E-E. And this is a selection from you following the Croatia game. Hi, this is Brad. I was one of the lucky few there in the glorious sunshine today, and I'm glad I was. Phillips is a brilliant, brilliant player on an international stage. Sterling, just as good as ever, probably the best I've seen him. If we carry on playing like this, do you know, I seriously am beginning to think we can win this whole thing. So England beat Croatia by go to nil. And I'm very happy with that, that performance. Delighted, in fact. I thought tactically England were well set up on the ball and off the ball. When they pressed, they looked really good. I mean, it was stuff that wowed me. And I thought defensively we looked good as well. And we beat what was a competent opponent. So I'm positive looking down the line. Hi, I'm Michael from Bristol. What a great goal from Sterling. I thought Phillips played well. Fantastic to see a win in an opening uh, game of the tournament. And I'm really looking forward to the next game. Come on, England! Hi, Russell. This is uh, Gary from Walthamstow. Just watched the England versus Croatia game. And just, it was a difficult game in the heat. But it shows how football moves on. Both of these sides were in the World Cup semis just a few years back. But both of them looking sort of very, very average this year. Both may get through the group stages, but uh, very unlikely to go further in the tournament. So uh, um, a difficult game, but um, I think a sign of things to come. Cheers. Richard Cook here from the Outer Hebrides. Really good result for England. Uh, We played really well, particularly in the first half. Uh, Kelvin Phillips was excellent, as was Raheem Sterling. Bit disappointed with the performance by Harry Kane. Expected more from Croatia, and they didn't really offer much. Really excited for the Scotland game now. Bring it on. An England supporter there from the Outer Hebrides. Who would have thought it? Uh, but joining us also from Scotland, but certainly isn't an England fan, uh, is John Bleasdale from the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the SFF podcast. Hello, John. You all right? I'm good, Russell. Thanks very much for the invitation to come on. It's a pleasure. No, you're very welcome. It's, it's returning the favour as I came on, on yours a, a little while back. Thoroughly enjoyable experience. 
yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. Um, it's, so it's, it's always good to hear difference to our own accents and taking um, taking a different look at things, even yeah. if it is your lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope my accent went down relatively well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, obviously, it's the big game coming up. But um, initially, let's talk Scotland. How was the feeling up there prior to the Czech Republic game? And then how did it all feel afterwards? Well, you can get to more contrasting emotions, Russell, as you know from the score, but um, I'll come on to that a bit later. I mean, before the game, it was fever pitch because it's, it's been well documented. We've waited 23 years to take part in a major tournament. So, I mean, the build-up was fantastic. As you know, I was doing a few podcasts myself and there was some great programmes in BBC Scotland, like a um, documentary looking back at France 98 called Mr Brown's Boys which was really really good featured um, no likes of Colin Hendry and uh, Craig Burley session of course Mr Brown himself so that all went down real well people were buzzing listening the music was incredible some more artists were um, releasing songs and the day the game came yesterday is before the game everyone was really um, excited buzzing there was a great atmosphere inside Hamden and then yeah <laughs> The game, I mean, we we had we didn't play bad in the game, but it's those fine margins. It's almost like a reality check. There's these fine margins, even against teams similar to your level, because the Czech Republic, I think, are only a few places ahead of Scotland in the world rankings. But they still had a striker who had um, who was able to find the, the back of net with his head and then scores a wonder second goal. I mean, we will not take that away from him. I mean, that is great vision to try that. People will cr- can maybe criticise David Marshall. But um, you got to applaud the boy for hitting that. And watching it from my position, the moment my he's left his foot, I thought, I said to him, mate, that's it. And um, unfortunately, it was. Yeah. Oh, we'll crack on with just uh, mentioning the uh, the goals in a moment. But when I spoke to you on, on your podcast, you didn't have a ticket for the game and, and were, I think it's safe to say, quietly disappointed about the fact. But tell us the story you managed to get in. Yes, um, so it's quite incredible um, how this all transpired because I was due to have a podcast with Charles Parson of Sky Sports News, Graham Easton, who's the PA at Hamden, and Dave McPherson, former Scotland player. But Dave withdrew like, in bank on the weekend, unfortunately, for our commitments. So I got in touch with a boy called Neil Doherty, who wrote a book called um, World Cup 1998 Scotland Story, um, A Journey into France 1998. So I invited him on and he was I'm glad to accept. We did the podcast, it was great. I thanked him the next morning um, on Twitter um, for um, coming on. And then he said, no, thanks very much for letting me come on. And do you want a ticket for the game? And I could not believe it. I honestly thought, <laughs> I honestly thought, you know, I'd, I'd won something in the raffle, the, the top really? prize in the raffle or like the, the speedboat in boat bills. <laughs> <laughs> an older generation. Um, but no, it was wonderful. I'm very lucky um, to be one of the, well, I was going to say 12,500, but as it's been documented, there was a few people that didn't turn up because we wonder where those tickets went from UEFA. But no, I was very, very blessed because there was a lot of people who were desperate for those tickets and I'd given up, as you'd say. But to get that, it was just unbelievable and I just built up my excitement even more. Yeah, no, the kindness of souls out there. Yes, no, well done there. Earlier on in the podcast, we spoke with Aidan Smith from threelions.net. And, and I must admit, I didn't see the game. I was at work, but he, he saw it and he said that he, Scotland, to be fair, played well. Um, he mentioned Andy Robertson. He had a good game. And I think, wasn't he filling in for Kieran Tierney, who who didn't play sort of last minute, which must have been a bit of a uh, 
a shock, was it? That was a huge blow because Kieran Tierney is um, the big, re- probably the biggest reason why that um, system works. Because what he he does is he he's a ball carrier. Um, he, he he comes up and he's not afraid to um, take on a player, um, as you know from watching him in England. And him and Robertson almost double up on that left hand side, and it solves the problem of which one do you pick? Well, you can actually have a formation with the two of the minute, and no harm to Liam Cooper who. Had a very good game yesterday. Um, he's probably one of our better players, along with Grant Hanley in the centre defence. But he's not the same player. He can't carry the ball up as well. You know, he is good with the ball at his feet, but he won't come up to the halfway line or try um, at 50 yard cross field passes. Kieran Tina does that. I just felt affected um, our game a little bit. Robertson still had a decent game. There was a lot of players in the team that just it just didn't gel for whatever reason. Like um, I think the big call was dropping Che Adams for Ryan Christie to play alongside Dykes. Christie, seven months ago, he obviously scored that goal in Serbia. He was flying at that point, but his form's not been great at club level since then. And Che Adams obviously came in and, and looked the part and he's been playing well for Southampton down south. So that was a big call, which I think Steve Clark, as much as he's done well, I think he got that one wrong. Right. We've obviously, you briefly touched on the goal there by Patrick Schick. I mean, the header, okay, header, they come, they go, they score. Sometimes they'll go wide or over the top, but that's what they're there to score from headers. But but the second goal, as you say, <laughs> wonder goal. I've seen it, I think, from probably every conceivable angle, bar the angle that you had um, in the stadium. And uh, two two things obviously sort of struck me. The bend on the ball and the vision that he's got. I mean, the bend, you're talking Roberto Carlos from the, um, was it Le Tournois, um, where he just bent that ball. And then obviously the other sort of issue is is the goalkeeper, David Marshall, wasn't it? His, his positioning, just, just an all-round sort of European Championships moment, that one, wasn't it? Yeah, there must be something about European Championships and players wanting to score some great goals. Because <laughs> obviously, twenty-five years ago was the Gascoigne one, but um, yeah, the that it, I mean, with regards to Marshall, he, he's probably started too far up. I mean, I know we're on the attack at the time, but it does he need to be um, as far out as Peter Fox says? But he would not. No one in the stadium would have been expecting Patrick Schick to shoot from um, just inside our half, Absolutely. and it takes a great bit of skill for that to be. If you see many players try it and it ends up like down at the corner flag or way up in the stand or even trickling along the goalkeeper. He caught that absolutely perfectly. And, you know, as you say, the swerve probably caught Marshall. It, the way Marshall ended up in the net reminded me of Jim Leighton ended up in the net in uh, France 98 after the, um, the second Morocco goal, unfortunately. But, right. I mean, you like to pick holes as an opposition fan because it's happened against your team. But sometimes you just have to take um, your hat off and say, well done for that great bit of vision. And had John, let's be honest, had John McGinn done something like that yesterday, we would have all been saying it was the best goal ever. So this, yeah. you've got to take cat off to probably the goal of the tournament already. Yeah, I assume you've seen a lot of the, uh, is it the memes they call them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite one? <laughs> probably the, spy, the, the probably Spider-Man one. Spider-Man um, one, yes, yes. I like that one. There's one that's been doing the right, right in Scotland with um, a woman having her press out and David Marshall's got the hands in the perfect position. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't know if you want to edit that um, and uh, cut out. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, uh, perhaps during a, uh, a quiet night later, I'll, uh, I'll go searching <laughs> that one out. 
no, no, fair play for, for taking it on the chin. Well, Friday night is the big one, eight o'clock at Wembley. Doesn't matter whether you whether it's a friendly, whether it's a uh, a game with something at stake. England against Scotland, Scotland against England is always a big game. And and I thought initially with Scotland playing after England played, you're always going to be looking at the result of England and thinking, well, we've got to try and better it. But the fact that you've lost, to me, I think you're going to come at us with a bit between your teeth really now. How, how do you think this is going to pan out? We know what you need to do, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it just shows, had we won yesterday, you could go down to Wembley and almost relax because England are obviously heavy favourites, but we're almost in the position now where we've got to try and take the game to England somehow. And if we go too gung-ho with the quality England have, they will pick us off. You know, because going forward, you have fantastic options. You know, I thought the boy who impressed me most for you guys at the weekend was Calvin Phillips. Um, I thought he had a, a smashing game. I mean, Jack Grealish doesn't even start with shows your quality. Foden's obviously a talent. Sterling, who, the people criticise the selection, scores the goal. You've obviously got Harry Kane up front, Calvert-Lewin coming off the bench. So we've got to try and contain that and take the game to England at the same time. It's going to be very difficult. But then, we've been in this movie before with Scotland where when people think we've got, um, got no chance, etc., um, we're coming off against a team, somehow we manage a result that doesn't always mean that we're going to qualify because look at Euro 2000s. We were 2-0 down after the first game. Went to Wembley, put in a fantastic performance. Got a, a great win they win, but it wasn't enough because we went out. But a win they would pull would pull right back into contention, that's for sure. Um, I don't want to sit here and say I would take a point right now because ultimately a win would be preferable because you can't gamble too much in Croatia. We've got to try and win this game. How we're going to do it, I think there's going to be a few. Steve Clark's got a few big decisions to make, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we mentioned Kieran Tierney there being out for that first game. Do you, what's the talk? Is he going to be back in? Well, he trained today, as we say, so it was light training today. So hopefully, um, he'll be he'll be come back, and we need him. He's well for me, he's our best player. He's one of our two best players who happen to play in the same position. But you're coming up against a side like England. You need your best players fit. So you need Kieran Tierney fit. You need Andy Robertson fit. You need John McGinn fit. You need Scott McTominay fit and on it. He, he had a poor game um, against the Czechs. You need these players on form and fitting on it. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a, a long battle. I mean, yeah, so hopefully Tierney is back. You know, that now he's back in training. Hopefully he makes it. We'll just need to wait and see come Friday night. The game against Croatia at Wembley, the Croatia had a, uh, a, a smattering of supporters, which is sort of understandable. What's the what's the situation with Scotland supporters coming down, do you know? Well, as far as I know, we've got, what, 3,500 tickets right. um, for the game. In fact, there was there was people in the Scotland Supporters Club had more chance of a ticket for Wembley than they did um, for Hamden because of the way the, the whole thing works out. Yeah, but... Yeah, so I've seen half thousand going down. I've known, I know a lot of supporters buses going down, or a couple of mates who are going down for the game who were lucky enough to get tickets. So, yeah, I think there'll be, it won't be, you know, the 10, 15,000 that went to Wembley in 2013 and 2016 for those games. It won't be anything like it, obviously, but you'll hear them, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, and to be honest, that's what, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous for the game, I'm looking forward to the game. Having not been into a stadium with 
proper away supporters for some time. I'm quietly looking forward to hearing the noise that that three and a half thousand Scots can make because because that's what we go to football for, really, isn't it? For for atmosphere, because that's what makes the the day out for us. Of course, it is. I mean that that's that's what football's all about. It's about yeah. Rival supporters exchanging banter with um, one another with some of the daft songs that get sung and, you know, drinking with each other before the game, drinking and chatting after the game and just having a laugh with it. And obviously you get one or two that try to spoil it, but they're very much minority, not even worth talking about. But the majority of people just go down, have a good time, you know, slag each other off. It's all about banter at the end of the day and uh, hopefully... If England get drawn against Scotland again to come to Hampton, we'll enjoy that even more um, when that when that happens as well. So yeah, well, let's let's I'm hope those are all going. Yeah, <laughs> well let's let's hope that we can get up to uh, to Hampton in soon. Um, I mean, just just looking at Croatia from what you've seen of them, obviously they're going to be your your next opponents. What do you make of those? What do you make of them? And and who else in the tournament has impressed you? T- in terms of Croatia. Um, They've, I know they reached the World Cup final three years ago. They're overly dependent still on Modric, who's 35 and still also a top player, but he's not the same as he was three years ago when he won Ballon d'Or and helped Croatia to that final. And without Mandzukic, I don't think they've got the same presence up front. I'll be interested to see their game against the Czechs, which I don't know is at Hamden on Friday night, because that's that result could be key to what happens with us. I think ideally you're looking for a, a draw in that game. Um, or a che- the, the worst result we could have is a Croatia win now, yeah. to be fair. We um, we need a result for the Czechs, I think. I think we can, we can beat them. Whether it will be enough to get us through, we don't know because I, I have a feeling that three points might not be enough. So I think we're going to need at least four from these two games. In terms of teams that's impressed me the most so far, well, Italy have been the most impressive, I think. I thought they were excellent against Turkey. You can argue Turkey were well below their yeah. recent expectations, but... Italy still had a game plan. They stuck to it. They never panicked at any point. They ended up getting a, a good 3-1. They were very good. Um, I think Belgium were decent. Didn't need to get out of second or third gear. And were still ruthless. So they're probably the two that's impressed me. The game of the tournament, without doubt, has been uh, the Netherlands and Ukraine game. That was yeah. superb. Even at 0-0, that was the game of the tournament at that point. Yeah. Uh, although the team that perhaps surprised me was Spain. Who who sort of done their best to stink that game out, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that because I was um, recording Scottish Football Forums podcast last night. We were chewing the fat over the the game yesterday afternoon. Well, you you didn't yeah. miss much. You don't need yeah, to go back and heard, don't yeah. bother the highlights. But as soon as you've <laughs> mentioned it, Scottish Football Forums podcast. Go on, just tell us a little bit about that and where we can find it. Should any England supporter want to? Well, I should hope so after you were on it. Um, and there seems to be a good few likes on it. Um, we'll maybe invite you on again soon. Who knows? Oh, I'd love to. Um, so, yeah, Scottish football forums. We cover all bases of Scottish football. Um, it's, so from Scottish Premiership down to um, League Two, we just cover as much as we can. And we even touched on the women's game, which is obviously important and getting bit bigger up here. And, uh, you know, we touched on Highland League, Lowland League, you know, that kind of level. Um, so... And, but recently we've also been doing a lot about the national team, um, the men's national team. So we're, we've been doing a good few specials recently. Um, obviously, you've, you've been on. We've had Sam Matterface on and Rory Hamilton, who are both doing commentaries for ITV and STV. So I've been lucky to have um, them on. So, yeah, it's been good. So we've, we've had a much of good guests. And we've also had just, re- last night we were speaking, it was just regular fans just all giving our take on, um, on the game and just talk 
Oh, thanks, Chris. Well, sometimes we like a wee retro feel as well. Like we were talking about a competition called the Tenant Sixties. If you're wondering what that is, it's like Six Aside tournament, was it? Six Aside tournament held indoors. It was the SECC in Glasgow, and it it was it was like a Masters format. Except it was current players at that time, not um, obviously the the older generation as the Masters showed. But it was a great tournament. So they did a wee podcast in that, which was fantastic. Listen, so uh-huh. yeah, we like our retro stuff, and you can find it at www.scottishfootballforums.co.uk we can find links to all the podcasts and you can also download it on Spotify and Apple and any other platforms lovely great stuff John thank you very much sorry Twitter hashtag is at SFF podcast there you go nice one I'll link to that on the uh, on the free lines podcast John thank you very much for your time on, on coming onto the show and yeah let, let's hope that um well we're, we're allowed to come up to Hamden for a for a game sometime in the future and and hopefully we can stay in touch and speak again please do Russell it'll be nice to be, um, keep in touch and as I say we'll invite you back on if you're good <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice one John enjoy the rest of the tournament <laughs> you too mate thank you There we have it. That concludes the Croatia review and the Scotland preview. Thanks to John Bleasdale there for all the Scottish angle and to Aidan from threelions.net. I'll be back very soon looking back on the Scotland game and previewing the game against the Czech Republic. Also, you may want to check out the England-Scotland episode I put out recently where I spoke with seven England fans about their memories of the fixture. It's called england scotland the fans, the games, the memories. Thanks for listening. Thankfully, my voice just about held out. But I can't help thinking, this is just the beginning. Now, if you're heading to Wembley for the Scotland game, enjoy it. If you're at home or in the pub garden, sing loud and proud. Make sure the boys can hear you. Don't forget, the show is on all the social media platforms. Go give a follow, a like, subscribe, whatever. But most importantly, thank you for your support. I'll catch up with you soon. Cheers.